All right, everyone, welcome back to another episode of Highlight and All Sports Culture Podcast. We're joined by the usual Sully, Sam, and I. We have a special guest for you guys. We have Mike Yam, who is an anchor now for the NFL Network. Mike, thank you for coming on the podcast. We really do appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate it, guys. I, I love like the, the random locations all over the, uh, the country. <laughs> I'm in San Francisco. I've got Little Long Island, got Maryland, got Wisconsin. So let's, uh, I'm ready to roll with you guys. Yeah. Um, so, like I stated before, that thing, I think that's where we'll start today. You recently joined the NFL Network. Uh, I think yeah. it was in October, if I'm correct. Um, and now you're serving yeah. as a news anchor for that. So if you could just kind of talk about how that opportunity has been for you so far and how you got to, uh, you know, get to that. Yeah, it's been awesome, guys. And once again, appreciate you having me on. It was uh, a little bittersweet only because I was at Pac-12 Network from its launch in 2012. And I didn't really necessarily see the end for me uh, in 2020. But because of COVID and financial issues, uh, I found myself looking for a new gig. And, you know, in this business, a lot of it has to do with relationships. And a lot of the folks that I have worked with at ESPN prior to heading to the Pac-12 Network uh, are at NFL Network now. So um, we had been in some contact over the last couple of months or so, and the spot opened up for me. And it's been great, guys. You know, it, it's interesting because I've spent the last, you know, almost decade being so inundated on college football on a Saturday, specifically in the Pac-12 conference. And over the last few months, just watching nonstop, you know, that hasn't gone away in the college football side, although the Pac-12 is going to be kicking up and we'll finally get to see some action uh, pretty soon in that league. But, you know, I'm seeing all this talent that I had covered in the Pac-12 now playing on Sundays. And, and I know we'll talk about some of those guys like Justin Herbert and some other players as well, but um, it has been an awesome run so far. Yeah, so how has, like, how has, like, been covering the NFL been a lot different since college? Like, is there, like, a big yeah. difference, you would say? Yeah. You know, what's interesting is it had, been, it had been a really long time since I had covered the NFL. When I was at ESPN, I would do some shows, and, and obviously when I was doing SportsCenter, you know, you would cover the NFL and do those types of segments. And then, you know, over the last, you know, nine years, that hasn't been the case. I think the one thing that's been really glaring is the speed of the game. Now the players will talk about that. Coaches will talk about it, but it really is a significant thing when you're watching pursuit, um, close out, uh, you're watching quarterbacks make these throws. And, you know, another good analogy for you, I remember covering the NBA a couple of years ago and being at a shoot around, then going and, and being in person to watch an NCAA tournament game, watching the warm up, And it's like night and day. I mean, there's, there really is a huge difference between the college kids and the pro kids and, and the best college guys obviously uh, have success when they get to the next level. But I would say the game itself feels a little different, but at the end of the day, I mean, we're, we're still talking about generally similar schemes and now in the NFL and you guys know this, you're seeing more of an adoption to the college style of things, especially on offense. Now you're seeing some of those uh, wrinkles in the NFL. So uh, Overall, not a huge adjustment, but, you know, you, you get familiar with personnel and, and different players that are out there and player movement. Obviously, I've been keeping closer tabs on, on that as the season has started. And obviously, we've got the trade deadline around the corner. So, um, it's, I, I wouldn't say a dramatic difference, but there are, obviously is some nuance there. Yeah, so you're talking about the differences between, you know, the actual games. But you personally, how do you – do you prefer the college game? Do you prefer analyzing that or do you prefer NFL? 
You know, right now, I, I got to be honest with you, it has been amazing to watch some of these NFL games, and I'm watching it through a different lens. You know, when I was doing the college football thing, Philly, I'm sitting there in a room, in a green room with like eight huge television monitors We're watching college football, you know, for, you know, 10, 12, 14 hours on a Saturday. And now I find myself, you know, not, I don't have the benefit of having, you know, the eight television monitors. I got my iPad, my computer, I got a TV. So I, I'm kind of juggling around. I got red zone up there if I'm not on the road calling some stuff with uh, Intel Sports. So um, I, I got to be honest, man, I, I am a sports fan. And it doesn't matter, you know, who's playing. If there's this competitiveness about it, I'm, I'm all in. That's the most politically correct way of saying uh, that's like not giving you an answer, but trying to give you an answer. So. No, no, no. I, t I mean, we're all the same way at all sports culture. I mean, there's like 15 of us and we all just love sports, no matter what it is, what's going on. That's pretty much why we started this thing. So, For sure. but yeah. Um, so I had another question, but it just fled my mind. So if Sam wants to go and then if I remember, <laughs> I'll ask after. All right. Well, you did say that you transition now to the NFL, but I'm, Still sure you keep up with the Pac-12 and oh, yeah. you have so much of a history there. So I was wondering, what's your outlook for the season? I mean, the season's starting up in a week or so. So Yeah, yeah. It's a game week, guys. Like, you know, I woke up and I still almost don't believe that we actually have Pac-12 football games. You're right. I mean, the league is still very much close to my heart. I'm working on Pac-12 radio on Sirius XM. Uh, so I'm still around the conference. I will be watching all day on Saturday, starting with that 9 a.m. kickoff with ASU and USC. But I think, you know, sort of the, the usual suspects here, you know, can USC and Oregon, they're the two favorites. Can they navigate their schedules? And guys, their schedules to me are favorable. And I would say over the last you know, since I've been on the West Coast covering this league, so almost 10 years now, I don't know if I could have said schedules look favorable for any team that I thought could win. Um, that's not the case this season. I, I, think they're, I, I think the schedule makers did a really good job of trying to find a path for the elite teams. Now, a couple wrinkles here. Seven-game schedule leaves no margin of any COVID issues for any of these teams. And we're seeing this right now. We saw it the other day with Wisconsin and the Big Ten. And the Big Ten and the Pac-12 have the same testing uh, relationship with Quidel, the lab company, the testing company. So they're going to be testing their athletes every single day. The fact that Wisconsin has the same exact testing as all 12 schools in the Pac-12 and yet wasn't able to play is worrisome to me because – I don't know if we live in a world now where, where the Pac-12 is going to be able, every single team is going to be able to finish out the season. So that's certainly one of the major storylines that I'm tracking. But um, to me, a lot of eggs in that Oregon basket. I think the Ducks fans are certainly expecting this team to go and win a Pac-12 championship coming off of a Rose Bowl. But they got a brand new offensive line. Uh, they have some opt-outs, including Panay Sewell, who's going to be preparing for the NFL draft. He's probably a top five pick. I make an argument, you know, that, that Sammy's probably the best guy um, in this conference heading into this season. So they don't have him. Brand new quarterback trying to replace Justin Herbert. So still a lot of questions around this team. But Mario Cristobal has done, he's their head coach, has done a remarkable job. Three consecutive years, top 15 classes. The team is loaded with talent. They're loaded on the defensive side, even with some of those opt-outs. So I still think they got an opportunity to, uh, to win a Pac-12 championship this year. All right. Well, you had to put that dagger in me from Wisconsin, but uh... – I'll give you. No, you know, I mean, you know the pain, right? Like, oh yeah, we just saw Mertz light it up. We finally have a good quarterback since Russ, and it's just, it's felt like a eternity. But 
uh, we had uh, Max Brown on the podcast not too long oh, yeah, ago. Oh, yeah, my he guy. Was, yeah, he was saying SC. He was predicting SC. Yeah, he, he should say <laughs> SC. So there'd be a problem if he did say that. And, and look, I, I actually think, Sam, like Max has got a great point because USC, I think by the end of the season, we, we could make an argument. There will be an argument, at least in my mind, that USC has one of the top five offenses in the entire country completely loaded on that side. Graham Harrell, who's their offensive coordinator. I talked to Clay Helton, their head coach, a couple of weeks ago about their offense. And he had said to me, he's like, I, I sort of said, hey, there's like an embarrassment of riches that you have at the wide receiver spot. And he said, you know, I had a conversation with Graham Harrell. who said, hey, if you like what we saw last year, wait till you see what happens in year number two as guys get more comfortable. And, and Keaton Slovis is an absolute baller. I think the one thing... Uh, Sam, to me, that I would counter Max on is how comfortable are you with this team's defense? They made a switch at the defensive coordinator spot. They brought in Todd Orlando. So to me, that's still the biggest question. I, I had USC and, and Oregon as the two teams winning their respective divisions on that media poll. Yeah, I think that's what pretty much everyone is. But maybe you guys got to get on a debate for that, you know, Oregon yeah. versus SC. <laughs> hey, he said SC unbiased. I mean, come on, man. Come yeah, on. right. I know. He used to rock that uniform. I don't know how uh, unbiased he could possibly be. <laughs> uh, Sully, right, your other so, question? Yeah, I remembered. So before we started talking about our NFL, uh, you know, storylines that we got from this weekend, I got to ask the most generic COVID question in the book. We obviously got to ask all the professionals this. So bef- prior to getting the NFL Network job, which is huge, congrats on that again. Uh, what other things were you looking at? Were you trying to start something on your own or what was going on with that? So uh, I'll be honest with you, man. It, it was uh, it, it was kind of like a heart-wrenching time. You know, I had gotten to Pac-12 Network when it launched in 2012. You know, and prior to that, I was at ESPN. I was at NBA TV. I was at Sirius Radio. And there's a connection with all those places, right? Like, I, I developed friendships and, and, you know, met a lot of great people. And certainly, I don't get the Pac-12 job without my job at ESPN and, and having those experiences. But I think, for me... You know, to be at a place when it launched, like you are emotionally invested. And then it's like 10 years with a lot of the same people, a lot of my friends understanding, you know, and building relationships with coaches and players and people at those universities. So it was hard when I got that phone call. Um, that was not an easy phone call to, uh, to field. And, you know, there was definitely like this emotional toll. And, you know, I actually had gotten the news that they weren't going to renew my contract in April, but my contract and I worked for them. Uh, through the middle of August when my contract was up and you know that whole time it's you can't see it I'm actually in my bedroom now but on another wall I got this huge whiteboard and you know the day after um, I actually I actually think it was like an hour after I had gotten that phone call from the president of the network immediately just took the whiteboard started writing every single name of people that I had worked with um, whether it was at Pac-12 that no longer was there or people at ESPN, um, you know, that I had worked with for years that were at Fox or NFL Network or NBC, uh, reached out to my analysts who I'd worked with over years. And, uh, you know, I just, I was talking to everyone for weeks and months, but, you know, keep in mind, like this is, you know, beginning slash middle of 2020. And this year with everything going on with COVID, I mean, there was cuts across the board at a lot of different networks. It was tough. And, you know, it wasn't like I was getting, hey, your stuff sucks and we're not interested. It was, hey, we like your stuff, but 
we don't have anything for you right now. We might not have anything for you. So that was daunting. And San Francisco guys, like, it's not cheap to live here. So, um, you know, I was super grateful to have the gig at SiriusXM like I had had for a couple of years working on actual radio. So I still had that work. Um, I had freelance with Intel Sports, doing some NFL with them. They were able to bring me on. So right now I'm juggling three different gigs, um, you know, and I, I'd be lying to you if I said I was actually talking to a couple of our guys today from Pac-12 Network that are getting ready for some games this weekend. I, I'd be lying to you if I said it's not hard to know that they're going to be doing shows, um, you know, right down the street from where I live in that studio, and I'm not going to be a part of it. But once again, like I realize what that NFL shield means. I understand the audience, which is, you know, probably, you know, five, six, eight times the size of the audience that I had in the Pac-12. Um, and new friendships and new relationships that I'm going to be able to build at that network. And hell, I get to work with some of my favorite people that I worked with at ESPN that are now at NFL Network. So, you know, you just kind of have to evolve. You have to be, you know, sort of nimble and be willing to take, um, be patient is probably the best way to describe it. Because there was definitely some no's in there. And, you know, as I'm applying for jobs, like that's not easy, man. Like your, your confidence gets a little bit, uh, you know, takes a little bit of a hit at times because of that. But you just got to stay you know, sort of strong, as cheesy as it sounds, and then hope that there's going to be some opportunities, because I said to myself, I'm like, well, I'm not going to be unemployed for the rest of my life. Like, I felt good about my work and the things that I was able to do in my career. Just, it needed, I needed someone to say yes, and fortunately for me, that, that actually happened. Yeah, well, I know you don't need me to tell you this, but you're a smart guy because, you know, I graduated from the broadcast program at Syracuse and in every single one of my classes, they say connections, connections, networking, you know, so when you obviously got that call and the first thing you did was think about who you could talk to. That was a genius idea. So no, no doubt, no doubt. And honestly, and and so you know this from from being uh, up at Syracuse, like that that pool of people that have left that university that are in the business. I mean, to be honest with you, like there's Syracuse guys like Ian Eagle, for example, like he had heard the news and Ian was a mentor of mine and a guy that I got to work with at, at Sirius Radio years ago. And I'm still late, like he's checking in on me and he's, you know, like you, you, you just never know who knows someone else, but you know, it's not even just about getting that job. Those relationships are, are important from a, like, Oh my God, like I need a little bit of a pick me up. And when you can get that from people in your life or in the business, it's definitely meaningful. Yeah, totally. Totally agree. So with that being said, covering your career and whatnot, your personal life, let's move on to the NFL, the storylines sure. we've gotten yeah, from cool. this weekend. Uh, the first thing we're going to talk about to his debut, everyone, this was a big storyline bigger than it probably should have been because they benched Ryan Fitzpatrick coming off some wins. The team was looking up, and then obviously they go to Tua. And this new thing came out this week that uh, I mentioned on a podcast a couple of weeks ago saying that because the Dolphins have so many picks, that might have been one of the reasons why they went to Tua because they want to see you know him in live action, see what he's got before they go into this draft. And, I mean, you guys can talk about what you saw from Tua, but what I, what I saw, it wasn't great. Obviously, the Dolphins won this game pretty easily. Um, but it was all the defense and special teams. Tua probably had, what, less than 100 yards, I think, total of offense. So, uh, Mike, what did you see from Tua? Were you, you know, were you excited about what you saw or were you disappointed out of it? Um, I won't say disappointed at all. I think the the bar has been raised so high because of what we've seen in this, this rookie class at that quarterback spot, right? Like Justin Herbert has been nothing short of spectacular. Joe Burrow has been the real deal. And I think if you're the Miami Dolphins, if I'm not mistaken, week 11 was supposed to be initially their bye week and then that got moved up because of some of the COVID um, stuff. I, I won't say I was surprised by the decision to go 
with Tua. I think it's a couple reasons here. Number one, let's just see what we got because we're seeing other rookie quarterbacks have success. Two, all reports would say Tua was crushing it in practice. And I get it. It's not the same thing. Um, but at the same time, you want to see what this kid is going to look like. And live reps, that division is still up for grabs right now. So why not? Let's make a push and see if Tua can be that guy. Um, I won't say I'm disappointed. I, I actually remember guys being at Elite 11. I don't know if you guys are familiar with with sort of that, that quarterback camp, but um, you know, basically take the, the best high school quarterbacks in the country. They all compete, and then they all gravitate to one location up in, uh, in Oregon. But I was at the L.A. Regional, and I was doing media training with those quarterbacks. And I'll never forget this. You know, Deshaun Watson and Jared Goff, like those were Elite 11 quarterbacks, and they would come back as sort of like counselors, so to speak, to, to talk to the younger quarterbacks. And I'll never forget, I had left sort of like the meeting room where I was in to do this media training. And I walk out onto the field and there's sort of like, there's a bunch of guys at midfield and it's like U-shaped, right? So you can't really tell who's throwing the football because there's all these huge bodies that were kind of like blocking them. And I just see the ball coming out and it's, it's shooting out of there. And I'm like, oh my Lord, like who the hell is throwing this? It's like straight heat. I mean, the fastball, like the dip and acceleration on, on some of these throws, I, I was like, damn, like, this is pretty impressive. I was convinced guys, it was a pro, whether it was a golf or whether it was a Deshaun Watson or whoever else was there. Next thing I know, trotting out is Tua. And I'm thinking to myself, like, you got to be kidding me. And then he balls out at Alabama. I think Tua is as good of a quarterback that we saw at the college level. Proof is in the pudding with the success that he had. I think he's going to be a successful quarterback. But as you guys have seen, there's also fit and weapons. And while, you know, Justin Herbert's been balling out, that hasn't meant wins. Cincinnati's had some good and up and down moments. And Burrow's been really, really, really good so far. Miami, if they're going to win some games, and I think Tua would say the same thing. It's like, hell, like we got a good defense here, and I think he had the bonus of having that defense, but it's always nice to get that first start out of the way, and we'll see what he's got uh, brewing you know, in his next game. But to me, I think Tua is going to have a lot of success. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people are trying to like critique him because he didn't have like this huge showing like sure. Justin Herbert and Joe Burrow have had so far in their careers. And I mean, when your defense is – lighting up Jared Goff the entire game like what what do you expect he barely yeah, had to be on the yeah. field so I don't know we'll see what he has left I mean Soli and Kurt were kind of off on switching the two I was the one who was supporting the move but uh, they're gonna I know a lot of people yeah I mean you know Sam I know a lot of people have been sort of anti this change and Look, I do see both sides of it, but at the end of the day too if anyone's going to be critical of one guy's first start I, I think that is you know, very, very short-sighted. I mean, it's not a race. It's the one start. We'll see what happens. You know, I mean, hell, some guys don't even get that opportunity uh, and might not even look good in those first few starts. So, to me, it's also a guy that's coming off of an injury. And granted, he's, he's looked healthy and they wouldn't have thrown him out there if he's not healthy. But I, I think just to judge, you know, the, the future success of Tua based off of one start would be um, – that would be a major disservice. I just don't think that's uh, the way to approach it. For sure. Yeah. It's a marathon, not a sprint. Yeah, like, no that's doubt. the best way to put it. So I guess we can kind of transition over to the Titans having their second loss straight and they started off five and zero. they had that yeah. entire like COVID scare. And now they've lost to the Cincinnati Bengals who I've been like high on because I'm a Joe Burrow fanboy on this podcast, resident Joe Burrow fanboy. And Baller, man. I, I mean, I, I think he, 
as long as he's your quarterback, he's going to make you in games no matter what. They just got to put a line in front of him. So I was just wondering, what were your overall thoughts on that game? Do you think the Titans are still like legitimately at the top of the AFC, even though this these two straight losses are kind of in their face, I guess you could say? Yeah, I, I'm not sweating the back-to-back losses. I mean, I think you can make an argument the Steelers are a Super Bowl-bound team. I think there's some other really good football squads in the AFC. I mean, people will point to the Bills. I'd say I'm a believer in what the Colts bring to the table, especially on the defensive side, when they're healthy. So I wouldn't necessarily count those guys out. I think the biggest takeaway for me in that particular matchup, and, and Sam, I'll let you sort of like fanboy out here, but Joe Burrow, I mean, has been – the dude's been a monster, man, and I can understand why that you're a huge fan. You know, there was a time watching him in college in LSU as, as he's won in the Heisman and won a national championship. It, it almost felt like if he threw a pass, it was just going to get completed. And if it wasn't, it wasn't going to be on him. It was going to be on a wide receiver because of a drop. He was that flawless as a college player. And I think you're seeing not only the physical gifts, but his acumen out on the football field as a rookie quarterback, I, I think Cincinnati fans have to be through the moon, just like Charger fans have to be, that they know, hey, like we are locked in for the next decade plus with our starting quarterback. And that's not an easy thing to say um, in the NFL. You know, there's there's these main guys that get thrown out there, but legitimately, like to be a to have success, to get to a Super Bowl, to be a consistent playoff team, you need stellar play at that spot. And I think when you see a guy like Joe Burrow have the success that he's having and a Justin Herbert having the same, uh, like that, those fan bases and those front offices have to be absolutely thrilled because it's not a perfect science. I'm sure you guys were doing shows and going back and forth, text messages, phone calls, Zooms or whatever uh, about NFL players, uh, you know, in terms of that we're getting drafted at the NFL draft. And you can always speculate, but it is not an exact science. And if it was, you know, the teams that typically do poorly, they, they'd be balling out in a few years because, you know, they, the assessment of those guys would be easy, but it's not. Um, and, and I think those teams have hit home runs. And I think the Dolphins, in a lot of ways, just, you know, they'll still have an opportunity to see more of Tua. But to your point, Sam, I mean, Joe Burrow is, he, the dude's an absolute monster. I, I, that's by far the biggest takeaway. And he doesn't, even when he makes a mistake, it, it doesn't feel like you can understand it. Um, you know, it, it, it's not like I sit there and I scratch my head and go, oh my God, like this dude is a bonehead. You know, it's, you know, the progression. Is it, was it almost too fast? You didn't so, so what you're saying is it's not like Daniel Jones. <laughs> so like, you know man I, I gotta tell you I feel the pain bro I feel the pain you know growing up a Giants I just, fan yeah. and I can see the, the Giants uh, uh, banner in the back there of your room you're right it is it is definitely a, a, a different deal there I can yeah, it is. It is. I had to interrupt you there. It was just too easy. Yeah. No, I would, look, man, maybe you'd be a little different if we had Barkley out there. I'll take an extra weapon on, on the offensive That's, side. Yeah, no, it's been rough, there. man. It's, and you know this, man. It's been a rough couple of seasons. Could be worse, though. I guess you could be the Jets and really exactly. trying to figure things out. So. <laughs> I mean, always be the Jets. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. You know, Mike, Sully has said some wild things about Daniel Jones on this podcast. Uh, they take them out of context. No, 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 no. <laughs> The whole Trevor versus Daniel Jones debacle we had a few weeks ago, that, that was... I never said Daniel Jones was better than Trevor, though. I never said you said that he was I said it might not be the best idea for... to take Trevor. I would ah. say I might take Sewell and just keep with Daniel Jones for another year. All right. But, well, you know, as the well, season goes like on... Well, like Mike said, Sewell could be the best prospect. So exactly. I, I think yeah. Sewell, guys, is... I, I mean, I, I read something today, and I... And I 
hate to steal it. I think it was John Wilner from the San Jose Mercury News who called them like all galaxy. Um, you know, uh, that's, that's how fair. good Vinny Sewell <laughs> is. I mean, he is, he's terrific. And I get it, you know, Trevor Lawrence, and everyone talks about him and what he brings to the table. And I, of course, of course, he's going to be, you know, a guy that, that should be at the top of most draft boards. But there is something to be said for solidifying that left tackle spot. And for as much as we feel great about Trevor Lawrence and assessing quarterbacks, like, my God, like, I don't know what the negative assessment is on Panay Sewell. Like, yeah, it, it, it almost felt like the guy just never made a mistake. I had tweeted this a while ago. I don't even remember the exact number, but it's like, you know, whatever, however many snaps, like, you know, a few hundred, like, like one sack he gave up in like 500, you know, snaps. I mean, like, to me, that's just – it's sick what that guy is, is capable of doing. I can't wait to watch him in the NFL. Yeah, for sure. I mean, there's a lot of really high-end prospects coming out this year. And, I mean, like you said with Joe Burrow, he, a lot of his skill set from college just transferred so perfectly to the NFL. And, I mean, yeah. he's rare. He's a rare breed. So, uh, yeah. I mean, we could talk about – Kurt, you had another thing to bring up? Yeah, I did. So I'm going to continue the trend of talking about rookie quarterbacks and talk about Justin Herbert. And I know Mike, yeah, you're pretty that's... familiar probably with Justin Herbert by calling oh, the Pac-12. Yeah. So that's kind of where I want to ask the first question is, was there like a moment when you were working with the Pac-12 that you saw Justin Herbert and you were like, wow, this guy could be like the next franchise quarterback in the league? <laughs> you know, I, I don't know about that part of it, but I can tell you, I remember being there Justin's freshman year, we were doing a training camp show. We get to campus, and they didn't know who their starting quarterback was going to be. I think it ended up being um, Dakota Prukup, uh, who was a transfer. I, I'd have to go back. Um, the year sort of meshed together. But the point is, they hadn't named a starting quarterback. Mark Helfrich was their, their head coach. And we had asked, like, hey, I know you guys haven't named the starter. Can we just get a couple of guys? They gave us three quarterbacks, Kurt. Three. Justin Herbert wasn't one of those guys. Fast forward a few years, and they had the issues and multiple changes between Helfrich leaving, um, you know, and getting relieved of his duties. Willie Taggart then bolting to head down to, uh, you know, Florida State. And then Mario Cristobal coming in. He had three different head coaches, multiple offensive coordinators, and yet all this guy did was just ball out. And I wish I could tell you I thought, you know, Justin was going to have this much success this quick, quickly. I thought he was going to be a, a really good starting quarterback in the NFL I thought he never had like you look at Oregon and the talent at the wide receiver spot he never had like a Keenan Allen before I mean I just think about like what you can do with these types of weapons and we're now seeing it on Sundays from Justin Herbert so um yeah I, I I'm not super surprised I'm a little surprised about how quickly and how just this level of success that he's had but I take it a step further guys like he's a really smart kid biology guy 4.0. Um, we were doing media training. So every year at Pac-12 Network, when I was there during media day, we'd be in Los Angeles and, and all 24 student athletes would be in a room with us guys. And we would go through stuff. And one of the exercises was, hey, like write the five things that you want in your life. So you're talking about the top 24 players, generally speaking, from the conference all in one area, be an NFL player, make a ton of money. Like the usual types of things. And I'll never forget Justin's response. And, it, and this wasn't like in any particular order, but it was like, hey, be a great husband, be a great, uh, you know, father. Uh, I want to go fishing. I want to be in the NFL and something else. Like I, I think about sort of how thoughtful he is 
in his approach to sort of life and understanding like, hey, it's bigger than just this. Like Justin didn't go to, Justin was like, he wasn't a scholarship quarterback. He grew up in Eugene. He went to these games. Like this was not the path for him to be this great NFL player who'd be a top 10 pick. And yet here it is. And he's having that success. And, and once again, I, he's, he's the quarterback for that team for the next, you know, probably 15 years. Yeah. It, it's funny because, you know, me, Kurt and Sam, we, you know, we've done a countless podcast. We've done draft podcasts and all that. We talked about, you know, Sam was the big Joe Burrow guy. I mean, we, me and Kurt and Sam agreed, you know, we like Joe Burrow more than Herbert, but we were big Herbert guys. Sam didn't like him yeah. because he was a similar, he had similar mindset to you. He didn't see a lot of, you know, a ton of things at his time at Oregon where he was like, all right, that guy's going to be a serious, serious franchise quarterback. But now with his little time with the Chargers, you know, with the offense they named, they've been able to put him in and the weapons they've surrounded him with, he does look like he can be a franchise quarterback for a long time. So Yeah, I mean, look, Justin Justin had an NFL arm when he was in college. We all saw that. And then you saw the, the physical development over the years that, you know, as he had gotten to that senior year, he looked like a different player physically too. Um, you'd be almost shocked to see just sort of like how I want to like put my hand really close to my hands than they actually are, but like how big Justin's hands are and like his physical stature um, as he continued to develop. It was impressive and he's made those throws. You know, people would talk about the accuracy. He didn't have Joe Burrow accuracy at the college level, but I think the numbers were not what they could have been. There were a lot of drops. I think back to that junior year, if I'm not mistaken, Oregon attracted something like 40 to 50 drops by wide receivers. Like that is a staggering number. So to me, when people dinged him for the accuracy, I said, ah, let's pump the brakes here. You know, there's a lot of, you know, balls that he's dropping into wide receivers' hands that they're just not making plays on. Um, so he wasn't going to have the statistics that a Joe Burrow would have in terms of completion percentage. But Justin had the NFL arm. Um, and I think what's a really cool, uh, interesting wrinkle and I think Kurt might have even brought this up um, earlier but it's like his ability to run with the football I didn't see a ton of that last year you saw it in the championship game the Pac-12 championship when they took out Utah and you saw it in the Rose Bowl but generally speaking you didn't see that last season and now you're seeing flashes of that from him in the NFL yeah I mean yeah. uh I kind of relate to you with the Justin Herbert thing I mean I think that Oregon offense is kind of what turned me off about him they made it very horizontal when his strength is the vertical and you're seeing that very evidently in the NFL. I mean, that man yeah. has velocity on his arm. I mean, he's got a thing on that arm. Unbelievable. Like and, just to your point, it's a good assessment, Sam. Like he's just going downfield. And I mean, my God, like they are spectacular touchdowns. Yeah. This is not the same quarterback I saw at Oregon last year. And I mean, they, they liked him. I didn't really see much, but I, I guess it was I, – I will gladly admit I was wrong, and I'm glad <laughs> to see – I'm glad to see him succeed. I, I'm not, like, rooting against anyone. Like, yeah, that's just yeah. stupid. You want to see guys succeed. But Zoom, it's BS timer. Yeah, we, get, we five got minutes five minutes left. left. But I do <laughs> want to – I do want to talk a little bit about the Niners. You know, we'll do like one to two minutes on them. Obviously, yeah. at Boza go down earlier. They had a couple other defensive pieces go down earlier. Now they got Kittle. They started the season without Debo. Now yeah. Kittle's hurt. Jimmy Garoppolo's probably going to be out the rest of the year, at least six weeks. Um, so the 49ers, you know, Super Bowl hangover, people are saying it's not. It's, you know, their, their entire team is in shambles. Yeah. But, Mike, I do yeah. want to talk – I do want to ask you, Jimmy, Jimmy G, like, is he legit? You Jimmy G fan or what? 
Uh, I am. Do I think Jimmy G, like if you said to me, like, hey, I could have Joe Burrow or Justin Herbert, like I'm taking those guys. But it, it also goes back to what we were talking about. Like when you have this franchise quarterback, let's not forget. I mean, this team is you know, not far removed from a Super Bowl, to your point. And Jimmy got them there. And I think the natural progression for him, and we saw this a season ago, not making mistakes being a fairly accurate guy, but I think people and the fans, you know, want to see a little bit more of the vertical. They, they got him a, a great weapon in Brandon Ayuk, who's already had some spectacular moments. But to your point, like, I don't sit here and go, hey, this is a, a hangover for the Niners. I mean, they are the walking wounded. You mentioned Debo, um, you know, issues at the running back spot, quarterback spot. Um, Solomon Thomas went down earlier this season. The list goes on and on. I saw someone tweet this out earlier today. I mean, the the list of players was like this. It was like super long on my timeline. Like I'm thinking, my God, like how do you get wins like that in the NFL right now? And I think it's a hard task. And look, they've competed in some of these games, but you know the reality is they're in a really tough competitive division. Played a really good Seattle team, who I think you can make an argument might be one of the top two or three teams. If you said to me, hey, pick a team in the NFC, it's probably Seattle or Tampa Bay that I think make it make it to the Super Bowl. So. Um, no shame in that, but you know, to your point, Sully, not not healthy. So um, you know, I, I I pause to to make some real judgments on on this football team right now. Yeah. So you just you just mentioned a couple of Super Bowl picks that you might have very quickly. What what do you what's your outlook for the season? What teams do you expect to be there by when it's all said and done? You know, I favor defensive-minded teams, although I just said Seattle, right? And I think they're making yeah, they're addressing the some of the issues yeah. that they have there. But, hey, give me a great defense. And then who are the quarterbacks that I trust? Like Russell Wilson is certainly there. I trust the Steelers specifically because of their defense. Lamar is like the wow factor with Baltimore. Also a great defense that's in the mix. Tom has got some great weapons now, especially Tom Brady, that is, um, with Antonio Brown now being there, but also a stellar defense. You know, off the top of my head, those are some of the teams that certainly resonate the most for me as I'm looking at the countdown and I know we're approaching the, the two minute mark here. So I would say of that group, those are some of the teams that stand out the most. Yeah. I'm Kurt, Sam, me. Let's just give our Super Bowl picks right now, just so everyone can get, you know, our picks. Let's get them in there. Mike gave his, we'll give ours. I said Chiefs Seahawks at the beginning of the year. I'm going to stick Chiefs, with it. Yeah. Another good one. I'm yeah. going to stick with it. Kurt, uh, I've had Chiefs and I think I had Buccaneers for a bit of time. Uh, but kind of looking at the Steelers and how they've played this season, I'm really tempted to just go with them, especially after last week's victory over Baltimore. So I think I'm going to go Pittsburgh versus Tampa Bay. Ooh, okay. the old guy. I, I as well, along with Sully, had before the season Seattle, uh, Kansas City. I mean, two best quarterbacks in the league. You can't go wrong with that. But after seeing Pittsburgh these first couple of weeks, I'm kind of with Kurt. And after seeing what Tampa did to, like, dismantling the Packers, which hurt my heart, but uh, they, they, they look legit and their defense is very legit. And I don't think any NFC team is as strong on both sides of the ball as Tampa Bay is because like, as you're seeing like the Packers, the Seahawks, the saints even are all very lopsided teams on offense. So I think the Bucks are the most well-rounded. So I might change the Steelers Bucks. Here we go. Oh my All right. Well, Good there it is. Sam. Sam's changing his mind. But that's going to be it for the episode of Highlighted All Sports Culture Podcast. Thank you for listening. And thank you, Mike, for coming on. You were a great guest. Appreciate the invite, guys. Enjoy the rest of the games this season. All right. You too.